You're listening to Talking Smart. The official podcast of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. This is Paul Pimentel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Michael Blaine. Welcome to the second episode of Talking Smart. Each month, we bring you news, guests, and discussions of interest to working families across the United States and Canada. This special episode is being recorded at a time when Canada, the United States, and the rest of the world are in the midst of a public health and economic crisis unlike anything we have seen in our lifetimes. The COVID-19 outbreak is affecting every corner of the globe, from freight rail members working to ensure that our critical infrastructure keeps functioning, to bus and transit operators interacting with the general public, to sheet metal workers experiencing shutdowns due to the outbreak. This is affecting SMART members, our families, and our communities everywhere. In this episode, we talk with SMART General President Joseph Sellers for a summary of what SMART is doing to help and support our members, both in terms of workplace safety and health and financially as shutdowns, layoffs, and stay-at-home directives ripple across the economy. We all know we're in unprecedented times, but we must get through this together. We must lean and learn from each other. Our smart family will come together and we are not alone as we fight this together. We also speak with Smart Transportation Division President Jeremy Ferguson, who addresses what our union is doing to protect rail and transit members at work, what the response to COVID-19 has been from federal transportation agencies and rail carriers, and the critical role our TD members are playing during this time of crisis. They're doing an amazing job. Uh, They're the backbone of this nation. And uh, it's because of people like them uh, that are able to go to work and do their job on the trains and on the buses that others are able to eat and keep the lights on and get to work, provide the medical attention, provide the, the fire protection, the police protection, whatever the case may be. Finally, we also had a chance to talk with Randy Croca the head of SMOIT, the Sheet Metal Occupational Health Institute Trust. Randy filled us in on the important work SMOIT is doing to help SMART members stay informed and be safe at home and on the job during the COVID-19 outbreak. We'll hear first from Randy. Our guest right now is Randy Croca. Randy is a SMART sheet metal worker from Local 18 in Wisconsin. He's been a member since 1980 when he started his apprenticeship at Quality Heating, which is a residential shop in Milwaukee. Afterwards, he jumped to the commercial sector and worked in architectural sheet metal, then for Gruno and Ellsworth. He then ran for financial secretary treasurer of his local in 2003. Randy, welcome to the Talking Smart podcast. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I I, uh, came on to SMOAD in 2013 in uh, October and worked to the present time. Right now, what we're doing, SMOIT is a um, is a fund that we've we use for screening our screening program of members that started back in the mid '80s when we were a lot of our members had respiratory issues related to asbestos. Um, through the screening program, we found a lot of the materials that our members used and came in contact with um, were causing a lot of these issues, and not only through sheet metal workers but all other trades came together and worked to eliminate or at least minimize these uh, asbestos-related materials in our industry. So when we first started our screening program, 
we were finding almost 30% of our members to have an, an asbestos-related disease, which now I'm happy to say is down to about one and a half percent of our members. And generally those are the, the older retired members who actually worked in the asbestos, asbestos um, industry at that time. So things are getting much better in those hazards. Um, we now work too to provide health and safety information along with any OSHA updates and standards. And our main goal is to get our, our families home each day safe and sound. It looks like uh, SMOA over the years has developed and evolved as time has gone on. And right now we're at some trying times and there's a lot of uncertainty out there for a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about how SMOA is helping fill in some of that information void for people? Yeah, th actually, this would be a really good time for our members that do not get our e-blast, which is emails that we send out to the mass of our of our members, to send me their email address to rkrocka at smoet.org. I will include those emails to our weekly e-blasts. And through those e-blasts, we keep our members informed about all kinds of current events and at a time like this, it's very important that you guys are all kept up to date. We also have our, our SMOET website, which is just simply www.smoet.org. And on there we have, uh, again, a whole host of information, training materials. But now during this time, we also have a, a spot on our homepage just totally dedicated to the COVID-19 um, this coronavirus and we're bringing, giving our members as much information about the protections that they should know about how to protect themselves on the job and, and at home and just the social distancing now that that is something we're all trying to get used to. So Randy, what advice do you have for union members who are still at work across the US and Canada to protect themselves? Well, and again, it, it's, it begins with the, the social distancing, which seems very strange for a lot of us. Uh, we're, we are social beings and it's, it's hard for us to um, stay six feet away from each other or not shake hands when we greet. But very quickly, I'll run down. There's things that we really need to do in order to protect our health and the health of others. Things we might've done before we shouldn't do now. Like for instance, don't go to work if you're feeling sick. Don't shake hands when you greet others. Avoid large gatherings or meetings. Try to stay six feet apart from others on a job site and in gatherings, meetings, and training sessions. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue if you cough or sneeze, or do into your own elbow as we've been taught. Avoid contact with sick people. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth and unwashed hands. And, you know, a lot of these things, like I said, it's just we're not used to doing, but we have to get to, to start doing these things as a practice for our daily lives. Absolutely. Yeah, cleaning, washing your hands often with soap and water. And at least for 20 seconds, you you have to take time and really let that soap soak in and, and use good hot water. Alcohol-based sanitizers, you know, make sure they contain at least 60% and up to 90% alcohol. Uh, soap and water can be used for your hands and especially if they're visibly dirty and it's especially important to clean hands after going to the bathroom before eating and after coughing sneezing or blowing your nose construction industry employers also have some cautions that we sh they should be taking to make sure that our members are safe and that's creating a six feet space between workers by staggering uh, crews to prevent droplets spreading you have to remember a lot of these droplets on cardboard and metals 
that can last anywhere from 24 hours to three or four days. So we have to keep our work areas clean. They, they should be providing office staff the ability to work from home and also provide soap and running water on all the job sites for frequent hand washing. If that's impossible, they can provide hand sanitizer. And then cleaning and disinfecting high-touched surfaces on the job sites and in offices, such as handrails, doorknobs, you know, portable toilets, frequently per the, the CDC guidelines. And if you work in healthcare facilities, train your workers in Infectious Control Risk Assessment, ICRA. And we have that through our, our NEMI-NEMIC fund. Dave Burnett is the uh, administrator there, and we can get training, for which we have been doing already, for hospital-type work. Our next question is going to come from Mike. Hi, Randy. Uh, so what sort of symptoms should our listeners be looking for? I'll, I'll tell you, I can run down through. The reported illnesses have ranged from mild symptoms to severe symptoms, um, illness, and, and sometimes, obviously, as people know, even deaths through this coronavirus, but the symptoms that may appear between two and 14 days after exposure um, are, are like fever, uh, cough, shortness of breath. If you develop emergency signs for COVID, of course, you know, get medical attention immediately. Um, some other main ones that would, that would be a, a, a red flag would be trouble breathing, persistence, pain, and pressure in your chest, new type confusion, a blemish like you're, you're pale in the face or lips. These are not all inclusive, of course, uh, so please consult your medical provider for any other symptoms that are severe or concerning. I hear a lot of people out there who are trying to compare this to the common flu. Uh, how is this different? We do have stuff on the website, and I would encourage people to go there again and look through there, especially at the top of our website. We have some very important messages at the top that you can click through, and one of them is we have a chart that compares the symptoms from the common cold, the flu, allergies, and the, the symptoms, especially for this virus between COVID-19 and the flu. I mean, there are a lot of commonalities. There can be a dry cough, which would be common, a fever, which would be common, but now, of course, shortness of breath. That's common in, in the COVID, but not in flu. There's others that are sometimes it could be one or the other as far as like aches and pains and headaches and a sore throat. Sometimes you would get a sore throat with COVID-19, but it is common in, in the flu, but not only sometimes. Another one that stands out is diarrhea. It's rare in COVID-19, but in the flu, you do sometimes get that. The other is it's rare to have a, a runny nose with COVID-19. You sometimes have that with the flu, and sneezing is not a, a symptom of either. So, Randy, is Smohit working with any of the other building trades or health groups out there to help disseminate information about all this? Yes, the building trades, North American building trades, unions, and Smohit and other like organizations we generally always met monthly, but to now we're talking daily and sometimes even hourly. We work with the AFL-CIO Health and Safety Committee that I sit on as well. They're a very informative source. We all get our information from the CDC or the World Health Organization, which is the WHO. Also, a great go-to site for us that's helping, and they, they're funded by the federal government, is the uh, CPWR, the Center for Construction Research and Training. Their site is simply www.cpwr.com, and they also have a wealth of information on this subject. Randy, I want to thank you for being on this episode of the podcast. We all here know you're working hard at the forefront of the response to this. And just on behalf of everyone here, I want to thank you for being here and also for everything that you're doing for the members of this organization. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Take care.
You are listening to Talking Smart. As the coronavirus continues to impact our communities and jobs, please visit the Smart homepage at www.smart-union.org for a compilation of COVID-19 resources from across our industries and trusted government sources from throughout the United States and Canada. Next, we have Jeremy Ferguson, president of the Smart Transportation Division. Brother Ferguson is a member of Local 313 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He was elected president of the Transportation Division this past August at the second Smart Transportation Division Convention. He's been a railroader since 1994 as a CSX conductor, then an engineer in 1995. Prior to that, he served this nation as a member of the U.S. Army. Brother Ferguson, it's an honor to have you on this podcast. Thank you, Paul. A lot of transportation members are being called on to work during this time of crisis. Not only freight rail members, but also transit and bus operators dealing directly with the general public. Can you tell us a little bit what the Smart Transportation Division is doing to help protect members at work? Well, we're doing anything and everything possible. Mainly, the biggest things that uh, we are attempting to do is we uh, have requested emergency orders for all modes of transportation that we represent. This includes the uh, FMSCA which is the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, the FTA, Federal Transit Authority, and the FRA, the Federal Railroad Administration. Uh, These orders uh, requested have covered everything from cleaning of the equipment to personal protective equipment, the crew vans and hotel rooms to the recall of uh, furloughed employees. Um, This would be the best possible option as it would force carriers to do the right things. Unfortunately, the bureaucrats in these departments uh, aren't concerned quite with the workforce, but we're working with our legislative department to get pressure applied where at all possible. Also, uh, Paul, since the emergency orders have not yet generated uh, even a response, we're trying to communicate with CEOs, senior level managers of the carriers, in addition to any government agency that will listen. Uh, Shortly, we will be moving to the halls of Congress with our issues uh, once they get the stimulus bills done and and out of their way, which is tying up most of their time currently, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also opened a portal on our website uh, for TD members to report unsanitary conditions and noncompliance with COVID-19 CDC recommendations. Uh, Truly scary some of the conditions that have been reported. I've also assigned all our TD vice presidents to take on the task of uh, getting with the railroads and the bus companies and our general chairman as a result of those reports coming in. And they'll also be coordinating with our safety department, which is our state legislative directors, to help get these uh, issues fixed as soon as possible and uh, by any means possible that we can come up with. Uh, Our legislative department with uh, Greg Hines and Jared Cassidy have been working uh, tirelessly to also ensure that our Members uh, who become ill or have to care for ill family members are financially protected. And in addition to the uh, possible furloughs that could result due to the ridership or economic downturns uh, that we're experiencing. Uh, They are in constant communication with the AFL-CIO and members of Congress concerning railroad retirement, Social Security, state unemployment concerns, along with uh, FMLA and emergency FMLA provisions that need to be changed you know, all of which are being handled via the many versions of the COVID-19 stimulus bills. Um, I would like to also thank them while we're on here for all their hard work and uh, also the many people that have supported them and their efforts by making the phone calls and sending the emails to uh, members of Congress. 
Jeremy, this is Michael. Many TD members are classified as essential employees during emergency situations. Could you talk a little bit about what that means? Uh, yes, uh, there's a Department of Homeland Security branch called the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. Um, they have identified officially that uh, transit workers and rail workers are uh, part of the uh, critical infrastructure workforce and uh, deem them necessary to, uh, you know, continue to do their duties in transportation. So even if a city is shut down, they're still expected to show up? Yes, that is correct. You know, we're dependent upon to support all the other parts of the critical infrastructure by ensuring that workers in, in those fields have a mode of transportation to get back and forth to work. And also, we ensure the uh, supply chain that brings the food and life-saving goods keeps moving. Now, a number of members are hardly able to call off. Why is that? Well, I haven't been apprised of any issues of employees not being able to actually mark off going on at this time, but I will say if they are healthy, they are critical to making sure we keep the trains and buses moving. Now, if they are at all sick, they need to mark off, or if they have family members that are symptomatic to COVID-19, they need to quarantine. We have been very vocal about making sure carriers are not using their attendance policies to keep people from taking the safest course when it comes to the, this virus or any of the effects. Most of the carrier policies have been amended to some extent, not to the fullest extent that I would like to see, but they have somewhat amended them, relaxed them, and changed them so that if any individual does have COVID-19 or is quarantined, uh, they, they will not stand for any disciplinary actions. Now, certain bus companies have gone well above and beyond. I know the Long Island Railroad has also after talking with General Chairman Anthony Simon, and it, it seems to be getting better. Uh, th those that have gone beyond have, have agreed to pay individuals that become sick uh, or are quarantined because they could have caught it while they're at work. So uh, my hat's off to those, those uh, transportation entities that are doing that. But uh, we need to get everybody on board with this type of thinking because if we send a person to work who is symptomatic, or is carrying the, the COVID-19 and doesn't know it and contaminates the other workers, we could bring this country to a halt in a heartbeat, you know. So on, on that note, what happens if a large number of transportation workers get sick, some sort of critical mass amount of people? Well, this will obviously compromise the, the supply chain and the modes of public transportation for possibly what doctors and nurses, other medical personnel, that depend on the public transportation to get back and forth to work. Uh, and that's where they'll be providing uh, emergency services for, for the rest of the public that's gone to the hospital or, or the medical um, facilities. Um, this could be catastrophic in, in certain places. And, uh, you know, I know we had a lot of uh, members that got quarantined in uh, a freight yard in North Platte, Nebraska, um, which basically that's a railroad town and that's on one of the the biggest main lines in the United States. Uh, so if that whole terminal was to go down, uh, you could essentially stop one of the three main arteries going across this country. So it's it's pertinent to uh, uh, to protect all our, our workers in Boston Rail. Well, let me ask you this. Have the federal agencies been at all responsive to the sanitation concerns the members have been having? No, they have not. Uh, quite frankly, it's uh, disappointing. Uh, they seem to be hiding behind their current regulations that uh, have no language or very little concerning sanitary conditions 
pointing everyone just to the CDC guidelines. Uh, this ends up, you know, basically being like the Wild West, where you had uh, very few laws and no sheriff to keep the peace. It's clear to me that, you know, we have no government agency that wants to be responsible for the safety of crews and drivers until someone gets a law put into effect uh, that forces their hand. Uh, I'm sure this uh, national, when this national emergency is over, it won't be hard to, to find a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks, though. But uh, we're we're going to keep pressing, and I'm I'm hopeful that uh, we can get some friends in Congress to put a lot of pressure on uh, the FRA, FDA, and FMSCA uh, or FMCSA, excuse me, to uh, help us get these emergency orders implemented and and keep these conditions clean, sanitary, and safe for all our members. How about carrier management? How have they been responsive? Carrier management, is, it's been hit or miss, and it depends on the local level managers. If uh, things are being cleaned and supplies are being distributed to keep conditions sanitary. Thankfully, had local union officers take matter into their own hands uh, in certain areas by purchasing supplies and helping to clean up the work areas. I've been talking with CEOs of the railroads. Uh, I've been talking with uh, federal transit employers and trying to persuade them to get these conditions uh, up up to par. So far, I've been uh, you know told that they're going to follow through with it, but the reports that we keep getting. Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it's made it all the way out to the ballast level, as we call it, on the railroad just yet. So what advice would you have for members working in freight, as, as well as those working in direct contact with the general public? Well, my advice is to use extreme caution and uh, please report any issues that you may have out there uh, via our portal on the website or to your local legislative reps, local chairman. We're all here to help. We're doing the best we can. And, and on that token also, um, any ideas anybody has on how to help improve the situation we're dealing with, I'm willing to listen. I've considered using uh, um, union dues uh, money that we have, um, you know, to help buy supplies. I've considered buying supplies myself and uh, for local areas here where I live. Um, I can't even get the supplies myself at the uh, at the local hardware store or the grocery store. I wish I could. I'd do anything I could to help. Anything, any idea anybody has, we're willing to listen. So, um, uh, but please, uh, safety and, and the safety of your family is, is the utmost important to us. You mentioned a, a few disturbing incidents or situations that you've, you've heard about. Is there any illustrative examples you could say something about just to get a sense of what kind of stuff is still going on? Well, some of the reports we've gotten in the last 24 hours, the freight crews have to do a lot of deadheading. And I've heard where carriers have directed uh, multiple crews to get in one van and deadhead together. So you've got five or six people packed into a van to deadhead 300 miles. Uh, that's just unconscionable right now with what we're going through, you know, with a safe space that everybody should be maintaining. Um, those are some of the, uh, the first things I've seen along with pictures of some of the bathrooms on locomotives. I know also our passenger folks that are that are dealing face to face with the public um you know they've reported having unsanitary conditions not only on the passenger equipment but in the stations where the public is they're not seeing any cleaning going on and then they've had reports of people that are positive for covid 19 and they have the symptoms they're visible but yet the conductors are having a hard time getting those passengers either off the train or getting them quarantined on the train 
until they can get off at the next stop. So we're dealing with every issue that gets reported to our office and trying to get the safest and most expedient solution so we can get it handled quickly. But uh, I can't believe the pace at which uh, these issues are coming into our office. Is there anything else you want to tell members as they continue to do their jobs right now? They're doing an amazing job. Uh, they're the backbone of this nation. And uh, it's because of people like them uh, that are able to go to work and do their job on the trains and on the buses that others are able to eat and keep the lights on and get to work, provide the medical attention, provide the, the fire protection, the police protection, whatever the case may be. And our members are doing this in spite of the known danger that they face when they go to work. Uh, so uh, I say thank you. In my book, You're Already Heroes. Hopefully, uh, you know, when the history lessons are written on this, they undoubtedly will go down as one of the many heroes that kept America safe uh, during this crisis. I got to tell you right now, listening to you for the past couple of minutes, it's pretty inspiring. I hope this gets shared far and wide. You know, the sacrifices a lot of our members are making right now uh, to keep this country running right now. And, and it's an unsung story. Uh, Brother Ferguson, what you just told us right now, you know, thank you for advocating for them. I know a lot of pre people appreciate you being out there on the front lines with them. I want to thank you for being on this podcast, and uh, I hope to have you here soon again. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, and I look forward to it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. You're listening to Talking Smart. Mobilize, organize, unionize. Do you have story ideas or have a question for the general president or union leadership? Call us toll-free at 844-984-0947 with your questions or ideas. Once again, 844-984-0947. Our final guest today is General President Joseph Sellers. General President Sellers, I want to welcome you back to our podcast. Well, I'd like to thank all of those that are participating in this podcast, particularly during this crisis. Lots changed since we discussed pensions with you in episode one of Talking Smart. We wish we were talking with you today under different circumstances. Can you give us a summary of what Smart is doing right now to protect and support our membership, not only health-wise, but also financially for those who are now feeling the economic effects of business shutdowns, layoffs, or stay-at-home directives from local governments? For the past week and maybe more than a week, we have been conveying the impact of this crisis that it's had on our membership, our working families. We've been telling leaders on both sides of the aisle, whether it's the Senate or the Congress, and are pressing upon them that we can't leave workers behind, that we got to make sure that the men and women that are working hard every day cannot get left behind. I hear so much about what's happened in the small business, what's happened in the large business, what's the corporate bailout. Our voices in the hall of Congress and as they vote need to be heard, and that vote needs to go on this stimulus package. Our members need to make sure that the workers are being protected in this stimulus and whatever's going to happen that comes out of this. There's a big infusion of money, strong financial support. We need to make sure that we workers, brothers and sisters, and their families get a piece of that. The working men and women of this country get a piece of that. Those that are protecting the front lines and those that are essential workers, those that are transporting goods and people, such as those in a freight and passenger, construction workers, production workers that are going to work every day and making sure 
essential operations are being done and being attended to. At the workplace, we need to make sure and continue to make sure that we're using safe work practices, that we're using personal protective equipment, that we're practicing social distancing to reduce the infection and to reduce the spread of the virus. As we just came on live for this podcast, I heard that we have now gone past Italy and China. We need to make sure that we are figuring out ways to do and pay attention to the experts and reduce the infection and the spread. Utilizing the expertise of our industry during this crisis with safe air quality, with properly functioning air handling equipment, with transportation division members using the online reporting form to help make us aware and record issues that are happening every day, day in and day out so that you know that form is located on the Smart Union website. It's under the Transportation Division link, and I encourage all members to make sure that they use that. For our sheet metal workers, we are sharing best practices. At the end of last week, SASME announced enhanced benefits for eligible participants who are unable to work. Maybe they're unemployed, maybe they're underemployed, maybe they went to the job today and that job was shut down. Maybe they're self-quarantined or quarantined. Go to SASME.org and see the benefits that are available to those eligible participants. And when I say best practices, that are other locals that are taking that action. And those other locals are using that within their supplemental unemployment benefits. And that action is being replicated around North America. Another resource is SMOIT. SMOIT is our safety arm of SMART. So SMOIT and the International is teaming up and making sure that they are reviewing and disseminating health and safety information to our members and our entire industries, each sector of our industry. You know, I, I know that there's many ways that we get information and many of us use social media, but it is vital for us. It is vital for you. It is vital for your family. And it may be vital for your coworker to make sure that you have clear and accurate information, not misleading, not an attempt to play it down. As I said, we are now number one, unfortunately. We need to take care of those that are affected. We need to reduce the spread of this virus. Let's pay attention to the experts. Let's rely on the right and accurate source of information so that we all can do our part. And I also want to remind you that Schmoet has a helpline. The Schmoet helpline is available 24-7 at 877-884-6227. Again, 877-884-6227. If you are having trouble during this time, whether it's the added stress of this crisis or the anxiety of this crisis, whether it's you or your family member that is having difficulty, maybe it's now or maybe it was in the past, you are not alone. Understand that you are not alone, so please call this helpline and talk to somebody that can help. Over the past several years, I have spoken with many of you, members at the job site, members at the work site, visiting rail yards, going to different events. While that method of communication has changed from face to face, we want you to know and we want to know how you are doing. How's your family doing? We will continue to reach out to you in other forms of communication. This podcast is one method. In these unprecedented times, we must continue to support and check in on each other. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from our members, those that are on the ground. What's going on at the workplace and how can we help? We've created an online COVID-19 hub. It's a link on the smartunion.org homepage, and it serves as a clearinghouse of factual information so that you are getting the right stuff. 
that members can use as this crisis continues to move forward. We are here for you and we want to be able to communicate with you in the right fashion, in the accurate fashion, and make sure that we still continue in different forms. Listen to our membership. Listen to what is affecting your workplace and what is affecting your family. Joe, this is Michael. You underscored that it's vital to get clear and accurate information as opposed to false or misleading information. Of course, a lot of people are at home and many are turning to social media and cable TV along with other sources of information for the news. What would you tell our members about avoiding misleading reports about COVID-19, especially on social media? I would say let's pay attention to the professionals. Let's pay attention to the experts. You know, we each bring a level of expertise to our sectors, whether you're rail, whether it's freight or passenger or bus, passenger rail, whether you're a sheet metal construction worker, whether you're a production, you bring expertise to your position and your career. Now is the time for us to listen to the expertise, to pay attention to those that are informed. I have seen a lot in the last few days, and they come from all over. Unfortunately, there are bad actors out there. Unfortunately, they take advantage of us and others during the times of need, during crisis, during times like this that we're in. And others will play fear and uncertainty into what they do and how they communicate. But I will reiterate, let's make sure that we're paying attention to the experts. They are trained, they are equipped, they know about health issues, they are informed about the science behind combating a new and dangerous virus, and how do we continue to mitigate those issues? How do we continue to solve those that are continuing to get sick? And if our numbers are still going up and we still haven't peaked, how are we going to take care of them? How are we going to make sure that we are using those practices so that we don't spread the virus? Maybe spread the virus to someone that we love, or maybe we're spreading the virus to a coworker. So let's pay attention to the real information, those that have the expertise, those that have the health and the science behind it. They are able to advise us in a, a prudent way so that we're taking the right action, not only for ourselves, but for our families, for our community, and for our coworkers. And again, I would say, let's use the homepage at SMART's website, that COVID-19 resource and the hub that I just described. Uh, let's make sure that we're going to those links and using the reliable resources that are out there. Uh, we're also sharing it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So stay in tune and make sure you are getting the right information. We're paying attention to the people that know and not the noise or those that are out there being bad actors on a daily basis. General President Sellers, I want to thank you for carving out some time to be on this episode of Talking Smart. We know you've been dealing with an inhuman amount of issues that have been going on in the past couple of days with the stimulus bill that's in the process of being passed right now and so many issues with that members are facing and people reaching out to you and you reaching out back to them. And we really want to thank you for being on this episode to reach out to people. Thank you. I would like to also say that we all know we're in unprecedented times. But we must get through this together. We must lean and learn from each other. You know, the federal and provincial and state authorities are issuing these maximum gathering sizes. Let's pay attention. They're shutting down services, sheltering in place. Let's pay attention. We will get through this together. Our smart family will come together, and we are not alone as we fight this together. We unify for strength. We unify as a union. We unify for workplace conditions, and that's all true. We unify for wages and safety, 
we need to unify to make sure that our families are safe. And this means looking out for each other. It means checking on our retired members and those who are at risks in their families. We also know that we haven't peaked yet. I think we all feel a sense of uncertainty. We feel anxiety and we feel stress. And we need to know that our brothers and sisters are not just names and terms that we say and use. They are meaningful to our Smart Union family. And this is each one of you. And most importantly, I want to say in closing that I hope you and your family are safe. You and your family are healthy. Please communicate with your local leadership. Please communicate with us. Be safe. And I'd like to thank you for who you are, for what you do every day, and for being here with us, part of our smart family, because we will do better things together, and we will get through this together, and we will use our expertise to get us through this. And thank you for sharing, and be safe. Thank you. Joe, I just want to thank you. We really appreciate you being on this episode. We know you've been doing a lot out there. We know there's a lot of challenges that we still all have to face together. I think this is a message that's important for everybody in our organization to hear across the union. We're sharing resources for everybody, Canada, the United States, the Transportation Division, members from every corner of this union. Right now is the time to stand up. And thank you for that message of unity and getting everybody together. We really appreciate your leadership. Yep. Thank you for having me on.